Welcome to Do We Know Things, a podcast where we examine things we think we know about sex. Content warning. This podcast will include discussions about sex, urinary tract infections, and medical treatments. Today on Do We Know Things, I'm asking the age-old question, to pee or not to pee, specifically when it comes to urinary tract infections and sex. Urinary tract infections, also known as UTIs, are the worst. This is clearly an objective fact. If you have a urethra and a vagina, chances are you'll have at least one in your lifetime. UTIs can be an infection anywhere in the urinary tract, from the kidneys all the way down to the urethra, but most commonly appear as a bladder infection, also known by its formal name, cystitis. As far back as I can remember, as the owner of a vagina, I have known that peeing is necessary to prevent UTIs. I don't even know where or when I learned this info. It's just something that I know. It was wisdom passed down through generations, and it was knowledge that I spread far and wide. I used to practically shout it from the rooftops, make sure you pee after sex. Most people I know are aware of the peeing after sex rule for the care and keeping of the urinary tract. But is this true? Does peeing actually help stave off the agonizing hell of a UTI? If you've ever read any sort of media targeted at women, you will definitely think the answer is yes. This podcast is all about putting our assumptions, what we think we know about sex, to the test. So what does the research actually say on the topic of peeing and UTIs? I will also delve into other UTI-related topics like what causes them, and can you drown a UTI in cranberry juice to cure it? That's coming up on Do We Know Things. But first, on the last episode, when discussing sex and the coronavirus, I mistakenly said that COVID-19 was a name for the novel coronavirus. Very shortly after I published the episode, I realized that COVID-19 is actually the disease that is caused by coronavirus. The actual coronavirus is called SARS-CoV-2. I thought they were all just synonyms for one another, but I quickly realized my mistake. So I wanted to point that out so that I'm not spreading confusion about coronavirus. And here I am again, talking about the coronavirus. As I'm recording this, there are over 1.5 million diagnosed cases of coronavirus around the world and 80,000 recorded deaths. I am personally on day 26 of social isolation. It all still feels pretty surreal, and it feels strange not to talk about it. But that is not what today's podcast is about. I just wanted to acknowledge that we're still living in the midst of a global pandemic. It feels weird to go on as though things are normal, but that's probably the best thing to do. So without further ado, let's talk about urinary tract infections. So what is a UTI and what causes them? UTIs are caused when bacteria get into your urethra and travel up to various locations in the urinary tract, but most commonly the bladder. Different kinds of bacteria can cause UTIs, but the most common types are E. coli bacteria found in the anogenital region. The urethra is the tube that brings urine from the bladder to the outside of your body. It also does double duty carrying semen for people with penises. If you have a penis, your urethra is long and the bacteria have a much harder time making their way up to where they can cause problems. So the lifetime incidence of UTIs for people with penises is much lower than it is for people with vaginas. I had actually a pretty hard time finding recent data about the incidence of UTIs. It's difficult to track because it's not a reportable infection. 
But the estimates I found for lifetime incidence of UTIs for men range between 10 to 15 percent and for women between 40 to 60 percent. And the sex breakdown for UTIs in the U.S. is that 80 percent of UTIs are diagnosed in women. One of the most common causes of bacteria getting into the urethra is having sex. During sex, there's so much going on in the region with assorted fluids and appendages all rubbing around in the area. Interestingly, pretty much all of the studies I looked at only talked about intercourse as a cause of UTIs and not any other sex acts. Often, the type of intercourse was not even specified, but it's likely assumed to be penis and vagina sex. Of course, there are other non-sex ways for bacteria to get into the urethra, such as generally poor hygiene, having a catheter, and really any other way that involves introducing foreign bacteria to the urethra. As risk factors, being sexually active versus not— and having more frequent sex are the biggest predictors. Basically, the more sex you have, the more risk there is of bacteria getting into the urethra. Also, having a new partner, which introduces new bacteria that your body isn't used to, is also a predictor. In the research done in the 90s and early 2000s, a factor that seemed to play a role is spermicide on both condoms and diaphragms. But spermicide is not really used these days, so it isn't really relevant anymore. I also want to note that all of the studies on UTIs are correlational. Basically, they look at people who have UTIs and people who haven't had UTIs and ask them about a bunch of behaviors and see what emerges. A proper experiment would have to randomly assign one group of people to not have sex for a year and another group of people to have their regular amount of sex for a year and see if the no-sex group ended up with no or fewer UTIs than the sex group. That likely could not be done because people who regularly have sex would probably not sign up for a study where they might be assigned to not have sex for a year. There does seem to be a pretty consistent correlation between sex and UTIs, though. If you have had a UTI, you will know it is hell on earth. I went through a phase in my early 20s where I had a UTI almost every month for a year. It was actual torture. Even now, I have major anxiety when I even think I might be getting a UTI, and I haven't had one in a really long time. When you have a UTI, often one of the symptoms is that it hurts to pee. Yet you feel like you need to pee constantly. I remember being in the bathroom at work and like hitting the wall gently with a clenched fist to get through the pain. In some cases, the infection can also advance beyond the bladder and cause pain and infection higher up into the kidneys. UTIs are painful and can advance to being serious, so it makes sense that people are vigilant about them and try to do things to prevent them. So if the evidence seems to point to bacteria rustled up by sex causing UTIs, can peeing after sex prevent a UTI? As a professional UTI haver back in the day, I perfected the art of tucking and rolling and running to the bathroom immediately after sex. I was a devout practitioner of the immediate post-sex pee. After the one hell year, I only had sporadic UTIs after that. The last really bad UTI I had was when I was on vacation. I made the intentional choice not to pee after sex. It was late, I was tired, and I just wanted to sleep. And within 24 hours, I was in agony. That swift and certain punishment really cemented for me the importance of the peeing after sex practice. Clearly, this one-time experience was definitive proof. I became even more vigilant. As you can see, my brain was convinced that peeing after sex works. But what does the research actually say? Well, it turns out the answer is that there's basically no research that links peeing after sex with UTIs. 
There's very little research on the topic at all, actually, but the studies that have looked at this have shown no link. In fact, when comparing people with and without UTIs, the studies find that equal numbers of people pee and don't pee after sex in the UTI and non-UTI groups. So there's no scientific evidence that peeing after sex reduces the chance of getting a UTI. So why do so many people rush to pee after sex? I think because the idea of it makes sense. If you want to purge your urethra of bacteria, it seems logical to pee to get it out. And it also helps you feel like you have some control over the risk. So that's one psychological reason. But also because almost all media on the topic targeted at women says you should. I read a bunch of online articles about this for my research, and most of them were consistent in their pee messaging. One even talked about the timing recommended by science. Most of the articles either do not provide links to where they're getting their info from, or they reference non-research sources. But even when they link to research-adjacent sources, those sources say things like, quote, Although there's no proof of prevention, women should urinate after sexual intercourse because bacteria in the bladder can increase by tenfold after intercourse, unquote. Another article from Harvard's health website, which should be a reliable source, also says there's no evidence to support peeing after sex, but then it quotes a Harvard faculty member saying that even with no evidence to support it, it can't hurt, so why not? I also looked to see what the American College of Gynecologists website had to say about this. Their website is a reliable source of information that people can readily access, and it notably does not mention urinating after sex at all. While clearly some medical sites got it right, it's frustrating to see that even with no evidence to support its effectiveness, medical professionals are telling people with vaginas, mostly women, that they should probably pee after sex just in case. On the one hand, I get the point that if it maybe can help, then why not? But the effect of this demand was really driven home when I read what Dr. Jen Gunter had to say about it in her book, The Vagina Bible. She says that these recommendations that fall under well, it can't hurt, so why not, are actually a burden to women. Gunter puts it in the context of all of the ways we burden women, saying, quote, Every time we make women jump through another useless hoop to get better, we add a burden, be it financial or emotional, unquote. Reading that, it really hit me how this peeing after sex thing is actually an infuriating waste of time, energy, and relaxation. I unintentionally stopped peeing after sex years ago. I don't even know how it happened. I just noticed one day, a couple years ago, that I wasn't doing it anymore. And I haven't been suffering agonizing UTIs either. I also had a revelation while I was making this podcast that if peeing after sex worked, why did I get so many damned UTIs? I had so many. For years. I always, always peed after sex. I clearly ignored all of the evidence I had that peeing didn't really work. But that one time, when I didn't pee and got a UTI, I was convinced that was solid evidence of the effectiveness of peeing. In psychology, we call this confirmation bias. It's a phenomenon where we notice and remember evidence that fits into our pre-existing beliefs and diminish, not notice, or forget things that don't fit in with our beliefs. There were probably other times I didn't pee and didn't get a UTI, but my brain doesn't remember them because they didn't line up with my beliefs. And this is why we need controlled research to actually study things because our brains are not objective observers of the world. So I think it's relatively clear that there's no link between peeing after sex and UTIs for people with vaginas. At first, I was actually shocked by how much this is still pushed in the media targeted at women. But at the same time, I'm not surprised. 
At least now that I've solved this mystery for myself, I will sleep better at night. Of course, people will still get UTIs. So how do you treat a UTI? The most common way to treat a confirmed UTI is with antibiotics. There are different levels of antibiotics you can be prescribed, some more potent than others. If you have an occasional UTI, you'll likely be prescribed a more gentle treatment. But if you're having recurrent ones, you should talk to your doctor to see if they can recommend a different treatment. When I was having recurrent UTIs, my doctor finally prescribed me a more powerful antibiotic, and I actually went a year without one after having them almost constantly. Also, for people who have chronic, severe UTIs, you can also get prophylactic antibiotics that you take every time you have sex to prevent the UTI before it happens, or in some cases you would take it every day. I also want to give a shout out to azo pills. These pills don't treat the UTI, but they do treat the pain associated with it. In the U.S., these pills are available over-the-counter and have truly been a lifesaver for me many times. When I moved back to Canada in 2010, I hoarded them in case of an emergency, because in Canada you have to get a prescription for them. I'm happy to report that my UTI anxiety has drastically decreased, and I no longer feel like I have to have azo pills on hand at all times. Another non-medical treatment that's often discussed is cranberry juice and cranberry extract. Cranberries do have a property that blocks bacteria from adhering to the urethral wall, but it's unclear how effective it is when taken orally. Anything taken by mouth has to go through many processes of digestion before becoming available to be used by the body. So a concern with oral formulations is always how to ensure its usefulness, also known as bioavailability, at the end of the digestion process. The evidence seems to be relatively clear that cranberry juice is probably not super effective uh, because it doesn't include high enough doses to really do anything. However, you can buy cranberry extract that is potentially more concentrated. The results of the effects of cranberry extract are mixed, so it's currently unclear how effective they are, but some studies do show effectiveness, whereas other studies don't. The problem with taking cranberry capsules is that there are no regulations about what is in the capsules, so you don't really know what you're getting. We don't yet know a set dose that is known to work, um, and so while cranberry extract might be useful, it also might not. The science is still unclear on this one. Some UTIs can clear up without treatment, so antibiotics and cranberry are not always necessary. In general, it can be helpful to make sure you drink lots of water and other fluids to at least have some liquids available for when you pee a hundred times a day. The original question I set out to answer today was, does peeing after sex help reduce the risk of UTIs for people with vaginas? And the answer to that question is no. It was also interesting for me to reflect on my own personal UTI journey over the last 20 years and see how my own anxiety and biases influenced my behavior and thinking around UTIs. I will also note that when I started my research on this topic a few weeks ago, I completely convinced myself that I had a UTI. However, the symptoms seem to have gone away now. Who knows if I actually did have one? The brain is a magical and terrible thing. If you think you have a UTI, please contact your doctor, especially if it's causing you a lot of pain. And especially if you start experiencing pain in your sides or back, as that can be an indicator of the infection advancing to something more severe. Also, if you have access to them, azopills can drastically reduce the pain you experience, although they will dye your urine bright orange and sometimes your underwear. Sex does increase your risk of getting a UTI if you have a vagina. Sex always comes with some level of risk, and getting a UTI is one of those risks, unfortunately. 
If you have chronic UTIs, though, and the treatments you've been using haven't been working, please talk to your doctor about additional treatment options. That's all for this week's episode. If you have any feedback or peer review of this episode, I'm always excited to hear from you. You can send me a voice memo recorded on your phone or just a written email to doweknowthings at gmail.com. You can find a script for this episode with references and extra info on the website at doweknowthings.com. All music and sounds for this episode are by Jeremy Dahl. You can check him out at paleblue.ca. Script assistance by Matt Tunnicliffe. Thanks to Dr. Jennifer Tomes for consulting with me about cognitive biases. I'm Lisa Don Hamilton. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at doweknowthings. And you can email me at doweknowthings at gmail.com. Do We Know Things is released every second Monday, and you can find it anywhere you get your podcasts. Of course, I would love it if you could subscribe and rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time on Do We Know Things. <laughs>